Hi, this is Tom Gimmel from Foreigner, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, this is Jeff Pilsen, and you, my friend, are listening to Iron City Rocks, where it really, really rocks. Welcome to episode 367 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 367, we have three very different, very unique uh, guests, but I think you're going to enjoy the variety. We have joining us from the uh, Mighty Foreigner, we have Bruce Watson, who has been a guitar player with them for several years now. Uh, going to be joining us talking about some shows they have coming up in the area. Uh, one relatively soon, and then another one this summer. Uh, we have another uh, very special uh, young lady joining us, a fantastic new musician, Allie McManus, who's going to be joining us to talk about her new album. And we also have Tom Grisengrabber, who will be on talking about a show he's going to be doing at the Hard Rock Cafe and a very unique instrument he plays. So I think you're going to find... Uh, there's a lot of things you're going to learn on this episode with three very uh, unique individuals. So without further ado, we're going to get to our interview with Bruce Watson. Bruce uh, uh, plays guitar with uh, Foreigner. He's been with them. I know he was with them when I saw them. I believe it was in 2013. Uh, he was filling in for Mick Jones on that date, uh, who was having some health issues at the time. But Bruce has been with the band for a while and is now part of their lineup uh, full time. Uh, they've got a just announced a new uh, symphonic record they're going to be doing, uh, going to be putting out. It was a live concert they did with an orchestra, so that's going to be coming out soon. They're going to be coming into Pittsburgh area to do a show at the Palace in Greensburg on the 8th of March. Uh, they're also doing a show for those of you a little further south in Morgantown, West Virginia. They're doing a show on the 7th. The show on the 7th is sold out completely. There are, and I mean an extremely limited number of tickets left for March 8th. And by limited, I mean some single seats here and there. So uh, you might have to go the StubHub route if you want to see that show. But if you can wait a few months, they will be coming back to town on June 27th to do a full-on KeyBank Pavilion show with White Snake and also the Jason Bonham Led Zeppelin experience. So no shortage of chances to see Foreigner. So let's play a little bit of a classic Foreigner uh, kind of redone by the current lineup. And then we'll get into that interview with Bruce. Say you will, say you won't, make up your mind tonight. Say you do, say you don't, want to be mine. Say you will, say you won't, make up your mind this time. Say you will, say you will, be mine tonight. I can't sleep, keep dreaming I'm losing. So alone in the night's 
on, make up your mind tonight. Say you will, say you won't. Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks from the mighty foreigner. We have Bruce Watson on the line. How you doing, Bruce? I'm doing great. Fantastic. You guys are, um, it seems, perpetually on the road. Uh, and we've had uh, the pleasure of talking to Tom several times. Uh, you're going to be rolling in uh, to do some shows in March in uh, both uh, Greensburg, Pennsylvania, and also on on the 8th. And then on the 7th, you're actually doing a show the night before in Morgantown, West Virginia, which is extremely drivable right. uh, for folks in this right. area. And then, you know, obviously the big news, you're doing the big summer tour with Whitesnake and uh, Jason Bonham. Uh, so no no shortage of a chance to see you guys. Um you put That's up right. you put up the forty um, kind of the two disc uh, career retrospect of the band, but uh, what's going on as far as the set list and things like that? I mean, I know these shows, the, the more intimate shows. Do you guys have a chance to do a little bit longer set, set on those nights? It's um, the length. You know, the length can vary, but I think when we do, um, it, I, you're referring to the acoustic shows that we do sometimes. Uh, and we have some orchestral dates coming up as well. Those okay. are sort of two separate things. But to answer your question. When we do the acoustic stuff, we do actually do some slip in some sort of more of um, more off the major hit list stuff, mm-hmm. um, and it's fun. We get to um, introduce some songs that uh, the band hasn't played in a long time, and then maybe fans are f- forgotten about, and we get to p- put a new spin on them, do, it, do them acoustically. And um, as far as the electric stuff, what to expect this this coming summer this year? I I think it's safe to say that the, when the fans come to a show, they want to hear those hits. Sure. And, we have no we have no desire to disappoint them. Yeah. So um, it's it's a ninety minute set usually, and um, you know that that's it's all hits, and there's still a couple more in the bag that everyone you know would know. So it's it's a very fortunate situation that way. From from night to night, uh, you know, especially when you're doing the you know the full on rock show. I mean, obviously you have as a band uh, greatest hits catalog that really takes up 90 minutes i mean there's really yeah it's got to be like pulling teeth to take something out of the set list but something <laughs> in. But exactly. do you guys have sort of a, a set of songs you know maybe like nightlife that they get dropped in some nights taken out other nights just to keep it a little bit fresh for you guys or when you do yeah. a summer tour yeah. is it just the same set every night well i mean there's there's a certain core of songs that are definitely going to be there and, mm. and you know, at least eighty-five percent is going to be. Right. You know, there's a certain certain core of songs you have to do. But what we did do last year, and I'm not sure if we're going to continue this year, but we'll try to do something that would be fun. But we we chose a moment in the set where we would let the audience choose, and we we gave three songs that we don't usually um, play, and right. we would do by you know sheer volume, let them select which song they wanted to hear. And um, you know, it wasn't rigged. We actually did the song they wanted to hear. So um, that was fun. That was fun for us because we didn't know what was going to play. It was fun sure. for the crew because we'd watch them scramble to, you know. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> Load the video. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we'll do something like that again. Something fun. Keep it keep it, uh, keep it, it fresh. Oh, no, that one's in drop D. Or, yeah, that would be make it a yeah, challenge. Yeah, exactly. No, um, yeah, I look at all the guitar techs are holding like three guitars. And which, which song is going to be? And you're trying to remember which yeah. tuning for the solos. Now, I have to admit, the, the, correct, the correct. first time I saw Foreigner, um, was uh i don't even want to guess what year it was but it was a a show when mick was having some health issues and you were called into duty to really play the entire show as is the lead guitarist um right when when you do a show and i haven't seen you guys with three guitars quite honestly um 
Do yeah. you do you have? I mean, you've got to be basically ready to go with all those during that period of time when he was having the health issues. Um, were those shows kind of fun for you in, in that respect, though? That you got to kind of step up and be the man. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, I certainly before I was in Foreigner, I was a huge fan, and I'm mm-hmm. age-wise, I'm right right in the strike zone, um, and so I know I know it's like to be on both sides of that end. You know, as a young guitar player, you think about dreams you have. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, uh, being being Led Zeppelin or the Beatles or the, that's right up there. But um, but you know, to be to play guitar in Foreigner and to be able to be that guy, uh, right? It was a great great feeling. Yeah, not great yeah. feeling knowing that Mick wasn't there, but great feeling sure. musically for me to be able to just you know fantasize with those songs it was great. Yeah, it was kind of kind of interesting because I mean, in, in Foreigner is a band that really I think obviously they had some big hits in the video era, but but. It wasn't like the Beatles where everyone knew what everybody looked like. So you walk into the show, and I would bet there's a decent chunk of the audience who didn't know which one was Mick or what Mick wasn't there. You know, it's just, hey, this guy's shredding on these solos. He sounds fantastic. And, you know, you guys just, frankly, kill live. Um, can we talk a little bit about you know your career prior to Foreigner, though? That, you know, maybe sure. kind of fill in the gaps. What what kind of led you into the, to the, to the band? Um working backwards what led me into it was when Mick uh, when Mick fell ill uh, the drummer at the time his name was Mark Schulman he now plays with Pink mm-hmm. but um, it was an emergency situation and I, I had known Mark for quite a while um, and had recently done some recording sessions with him so I think I was sort of fresh in his brain and um, so he just he really put me forward strongly um, and I really appreciate him for doing that but uh, yeah he it, it was really as a result of his his opinion that um, I kind of got shoved forward and just got thrown into it, and so that's how I directly came into the band. But prior to that, I mean, I had done some touring over the years, but um, I was doing mostly studio stuff for quite a, quite a while since like early '90s. Mm-hmm. So um, just met a lot of musicians and got to play with amazing musicians for years, and uh, yeah, so that was really it. So when you're when you're doing the tour now, I mean. You know, a lot of those songs I imagine were written for maybe one guitar, or two guitars. You know, assuming Tom is not playing the saxophone, did you, do you guys kind of have to work back and rearrange some of the songs to to fit in to not muddy the sound, but you know, to give you know maybe enhance the sound? Yeah, yeah, it's it's really, uh, it was all of it was done. I'd say ninety five percent of it was done unspoken. So, mm-hmm. um, I say Tom doesn't change his guitar parts very much, mm-hmm. um, and when mix when mix there, which is the majority of the time, I have just come up with my own parts to play around and support, and just do what's right for the song, you know. And yeah, like you said, three guitars sometimes is you know one or two too many. So yeah. um, I just try to you know play for the song and, and stay out of Mick's way but Mick has also been very gracious and he's given me a lot of solos and he, mm-hmm. you know he's not trying to uh, sideline me he wants he definitely wants me to be you know fully present so um, yeah it's, 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 it's cool no, no one ever told me what to play I just uh, came up with some stuff that I thought worked and um, everyone seemed to like it so yeah I mean yeah. That, that can't be really understated because I mean you, you know you listen to you know some of the great three guitar bands and you, you don't think of a lot you know you might think of you know the current <laughs> Leonard Skinner but I mean there aren't a lot of bands that can do that you know you think of one guitar bass drums keyboard maybe you throw in a second guitar and okay but, but what do you do with the third guy and, and you yeah know, it really is there's an art form there um, so I think I think it that's probably where so much time spent in the studio 
probably helped me, you know, choose mm-hmm. some, some, some parts that were appropriate. Just that's kind of the job there is to, you know, play just the right thing, not too much, just enough. And so it kind of came natural to me to stay out of the way. Well, let me ask you this, because, you know, the one thing I think of when I think of foreigners, you know, great harmonies and things like that. I mean, how much of your indoctrination in a foreigner was your ability to sing? I mean, was that um, something you were comfortable uh, not, with? Honestly, yeah, I'm really comfortable with it, and I love doing it, and I love being a part of those great singing, those great background vocals. Mm-hmm. But there was definitely not a need for me because everyone else in the band sings, and they, they definitely had it covered. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, it, you know, I know it's helpful to have another voice in there, and I'm, I'm integrated into the background vocals, but uh, they certainly had it together. I remember when I first heard the show tape, I was like, man, those backgrounds, Jesus. Um, yeah. You know, there's no supplementation, there's no samples, it's all, you know, human voices, and, you know, they did a great job, so it's it's fun to be a part of that. Yeah, and it's, it's something I was curious, coming from a studio musician where you may not sing and play at the same time ever, you know, you've got multi-track yeah, recordings, right. no, no reason to yeah. be doing that. Um, yeah. Into a world where you've got one take and there's 20,000 people watching you take it. Um, it's kind of right. different. Yeah. Different. Um, what What about, um, did you do much touring prior to Foreigner? Because one of the things I noticed when I saw you guys, um, you're a very natural musician on stage. You know, you look comfortable. Um, was that something you had done in the past? I've done enough of it to where, you know, I mean, it's just playing live, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I've been doing it for a long time. So at various levels, I mean, even if you're playing, if you're playing in a club or a theater or whatever, whatever the size of the venue is, you still are doing what you do. So, sure. um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm like, I, I've done, I've done a little bit of touring here and there. I've never been in a band like this and toured for this many years consecutively. I always right. did like maybe a summer here or maybe like, right. you know, a year, year and a half. And so, um, but it is, you know, I, I, I do love, uh, being able to project great songs. That's a great feeling. No, I know we had spoken with uh, Jeff Pelson uh, sometime last year. I believe it was before the summer tour came in, um, and he had mentioned there were some, you know, some interesting live DVDs, if I recall correctly. Do you have any idea what might be on the docket as far as foreigner product for the year? Um, let me think. I know that. Well, that we did a uh, an orchestral CD right. um, last year in uh, Switzerland, which uh, is just being very close to being released so it's really cool I mean it's uh, uh, Mick works closely with a guy named Dave Eggers and mm-hmm. uh, they came up with these great arrangements it's a giant orchestra huge choir so it, it, it's it's really cool because it's, it's a full rock band and but I think it's tastefully tastefully arranged and mm-hmm. tastefully mixed and um, so that's coming up um, I'm kind of blanking on what else might be on the, <laughs> on the horizon product wise um no, no studio album to your knowledge. No, no, nothing, nothing, no new studio material at the moment. I can say that. Yeah, I mean that that's got to be a tough thing in this market, to, you know, to to find a market for an artist uh, to release new material. Sometimes that's a financial gamble, uh, even at the biggest. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, to say the least. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know that Mick has found it frustrating, you know, to think of uh, you know you kind of record uh, you know like we used to and spend time and make something fantastic requires a huge investment which is hard it can it can help in the overall picture maybe it can be licensed but it's it's hard mm-hmm. to recoup directly from record sales you know yeah it is anymore i mean the, the biggest of the big so it's uh you know wonderful that you guys have really kind of hit your stride touring it seems in the last maybe it's just my perception but in the last 10 years or so i've seen foreigner 
touring more than they really had in the past. So it's great to yeah. have, great to have it. I think uh, obviously um, you guys have got a fantastic lineup. It's been very, you know, steady. Sands a few things here or there, and you know, you guys have done some special shows with, you know. Um, Lou Graham and things like that, and, and but you know, all in all, you guys are delivering an extremely consistent product night after night, and I think people have responded to that. And obviously, you know, you guys are playing some big venues this summer, so obviously things are working. I know. That's fantastic. It is. Like, it's just still. It's the business is um, is definitely still increasing since I've been with the band. It's just a steady climb back to to the top. You know, it's been extraordinary. Yeah, I think I think the thing uh, you know I I would be very interested to see because I know with my own personal experience it was kind of like you know everyone knew Foreigner was it wasn't like the the name was new and you knew you know Double Vision or Jukebox Hero you go see you guys live and it's like you know we're we're seventy minutes into the set and I've known every single word to every single song yeah. and there aren't there aren't many bands that do that and it's it's almost subconscious you know you you don't yeah. think about here's you know you know if you ask everyone to name 15 songs they may not right off the top of their head but you go see you yeah. live and they're like whoa you just guys keep pulling out songs i remember that one that was a fantastic one <laughs> and then you go back and i know myself i saw you guys and then i went back and got um i don't even know who who reissued if it was a rhino or if it was from the record company but like the first four i think it was the first four or five albums were all in a box you know, in CD yeah. form, and I was like, "Wow, there's a lot of really great stuff on here that you know didn't make the radio." Yeah. Um, you know, and then it just makes you get into it more. So uh, it's fantastic to see it's working for you guys, and it's picking up momentum, and it's going to be great to see you guys with White Snake. That's going to be a, a yeah a treat of two of the finest vocalists um, going on in one night. That's going to be really special. Yeah. So yeah, well, I would say I would say three because don't discount. Uh, James Dillon, who sings with uh, Jason Bottoms, Led Zeppelin Experience, he is jaw-droppingly great. I can't even. T- if, if anyone's planning on coming to the show, do not miss the first band uh, because it's just, it's in my opinion, the best um, representation of Led Zeppelin music. You know Wonderful. that's going on right now. It's just yeah. so satisfying. Yeah, and that, that that's nuts. That's an arduous task. There, you know, I, I didn't it, it envy Kelly with coming out and singing Lou's music but I don't know that I would ever <laughs> want to try to sing Robert's music so next level yeah that's yeah. that's a level yeah, don't miss it don't miss it that's fantastic well Bruce I want to uh, yeah. thank you so much for your time again you're coming in March 8th uh, for those yeah. south of Pittsburgh you're doing a show the night before Morgantown and I believe it's June 27th but don't quote me on that you'll be at the Key Bank Pavilion in Burgettstown with White Snake and Jason Bottoms Led Zeppelin experience so man I want to thank you so much and I wish you a safe travel into Pittsburgh it's a pleasure John maybe I'll see you next month alright a big thank you to Bruce Watson again Foreigner will be in Morgantown on the 7th of March Greensburg on the 8th of March and at the Key Bank Pavilion out in Burgettstown on the 27th of June with White Snake and Jason Bottom. So we're going to turn our attention now to a young lady, Allie McManus, whose music was sent to me, uh, had a chance to listen to it, uh, was really moved by the lyrics uh, and the sound of, of her voice, which I, I find very similar to uh, Stevie Nicks in the tone, uh, but has a very, very interesting story. She's battled many, many health issues in her life and has lived most of her life in a wheelchair, uh, but has managed to put together, I think, a very inspiring piece of music. She's also an inspirational speaker, as we get into in the interview. So we're going to play you a track from her new EP. The song is Unbreakable, and then we're going to introduce you to Ally McManus.
Iron City Rocks we have on the line, Allie McManus. How are you doing today, Allie? I'm great. How are you? I am doing very, very well. Um, I had an opportunity to listen to a remarkable EP you have coming out later on this week, actually, Unbreakable. Um, really mm-hmm. excited to have a chance to talk to you. Um, first you. Um, question I had for you, um, at what point did you discover your ability to sing? I mean, you've got... Uh, your, mm-hmm. your voice is so much like Stevie Nicks to me, it's almost haunting. Um, when, <laughs> when, did, when did you discover that? that? Yeah, it, it, that's, um, a, yeah. that's a wonderful <laughs> thing. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, I found that I could sing when I got a solo in choir uh, when I was seven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no, no, no one in my family knew that I could sing at that point. So I just went in and I got on stage. And it was in front of like a couple hundred people, mm-hmm. and I did my solo. And uh, after that, my family came up to me and they're like shocked and they were like in tears. And I'm like, you know, I'm little, so I was like, uh, did I do that bad? Yeah. And you know, it's kind of funny. And uh, but it was actually joyful tears. And mm-hmm. you know, ever since I saw that, you know, I had that ability, and I had the ability to like move people. It's music i never like i never looked back and i just yeah. kept doing it yeah no it's uh now did you take vocal lessons along the way i mean obviously god I gives did, you yeah. yeah god gives you what it gives you but um do you work mm-hmm. quite a bit at the craft of singing because i mean i imagine between seven and you're 21 now correct yeah your voice changes right, yeah. obviously even for a female oh yeah it changed a lot yes um of course yeah i took lessons for four years Mm-hmm. Um, and right now I'm taking a little bit of a break from lessons um, and working more on uh, my guitar and piano. Yeah, no. But I always, um, you know, I still I do my own like warm ups and right and everything. But I actually do lessons here and there with a guy named Gary Katona. Okay. Um, he he's out of LA and he's I mean he's really good. He like rebuilt. Um, Muhammad Ali's voice mm-hmm. um, when he couldn't talk, and he's like all about rebuild, re- like really making the voice stronger. Right. So I, I do that from here, here and there. So you, you is that W D V S Skype? You're from D- Michigan area, correct? Yes, yes. I did, actually just got back from L.A. Um, I was there for three weeks. Okay. Now your debut here produced by Jack Douglas and, and that's not a name that I think anybody who listens to this show would take lightly um, worked obviously with John <laughs> Lennon Aerosmith Cheap yeah. Trick um, how did you know a, a young woman from Detroit end up on Jack Douglas's radar right yeah it's kind of crazy um, so I met my manager um, just by kind of like random mm-hmm. I uh through um my mom wanted to you know th- we wanted to buy tickets for this dick for her charity which is dick wagner remember the child fundraiser and we wanted to go to it and so my mom called up for tickets and um started talking to one of the people and then i came up in the conversation somehow um because the lady was very nice and they just started having a conversation and it came up that I'm a singer-songwriter, musician, and um, then one thing after another, I was on my way 
to be in their like video for and I sang in it. So that was that was her charity. And then I met Susan through there. And um then I went to I I saw her at another um event I went to mm -hmm. and um I my mom left me for a minute. I'm not a shy person. I'm kinda of blunt sometimes, so sure. she left me for a minute and I went up to Susan and I kinda of just point blank said, uh, would you ever consider managing me? And um and she's like, yeah, you know, I'll think about it. And uh, her name is Susan Michelson. And uh, she then, after a little while, she said that she would love to. And um, that is how I got in touch with Jack Douglas. So they've known each other for a while and through Dick Wagner, because mm -hmm. she did manage Dick Wagner. And um, so... I gave her, like, she wanted all my materials that I had, like my songs, my videos, my lyrics, and she was going out to L.A. for, I don't for, like, a meeting or something. And she met up with Jack, and um, she played in my stuff. And he, he was very, he was impressed. And he, the cool thing is, though, is that she didn't tell him at first that I was in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. which was was really cool for me. And the most amazing thing he said once she did tell him was that he's like, I don't care uh, at all. Yeah. I see Allie as a musician, as an artist first. And that's all I want in life is like for people to look at me like that. Right. So I just thought that was amazing. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, I was trying to follow that because I, I had an opportunity to speak with Dick Wagner a number of years ago before he passed. Uh, was a was a wonderful man to talk to. Uh, it's kind of neat how, how the, you know the paths of of uh, rock you know work their way back to you. That's a really really right. you know great to get in there with her, with a great producer. Now um, mm -hmm. the other thing I think when you listen to your music you know you've obviously got a, a very uh, I don't want to say haunting in a bad way but it is a very haunting voice. I mean your voice really kind of I think talks to the soul. But your yeah. lyrics are, are, you know, I was so glad in the CD book that it included the, the you know, all the lyrics to kind of follow along because yeah. there's some really powerful messages in there. Um, Thank you. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, putting together the lyrics of the song? Do you do you write the lyrics first and then do music to the lyrics, or, or do you go the other way around? Um, actually, I go the other way where okay. I do the music first. I write that first, and then um, either I have like. Sometimes I don't even have an inspiration for the song, mm -hmm. but some, most of the time for those songs, I would be just playing, you know, I will just be messing around on guitar piano, right. and I would just come up with something, and, you know, I, I loved it, and like say I come across something I really like, I would kind of listen to the music and mm -hmm. see where, what it what it was saying to me in a way right. and what I was feeling from the music itself um, right. and it would bring inspiration to me and some of the songs I'm like I don't know where those lyrics came from because right. it's like it kind of just happened like in 30 minutes and it I mean like so, most of those songs I wrote within like 30 minutes to an hour mm -hmm. and it's just like it's just crazy how that all happens it's like kind of was like given to me somehow it's weird to say but <laughs> I'll, I'll yes, tell you, I do. many, many, many mm -hmm. musicians say the great songs come in in, 
a couple minutes or you know a half an hour. Oh yeah. It's funny how that works. It's the songs that you have to labor over that uh, that uh, you know usually end up being the throwaway tracks. It's those ones that are the moment. They're always yeah. That's what always happens to me. I'm like if it if it's past two hours, I'm like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're sitting there trying to go through the thesaurus to find things to rhyme and you know, it's too much work, right. uh, you can kind of mm-hmm. feel that. Now, um, as far as a guitar player, I mean, you you mentioned you're taking some lessons on that at piano, but yeah. I mean, you're you know do quite a great job. But you know, I watched some videos of you live. Um, you know, so it's yeah. not just you know studio musicians. Um, how long did it take to, you know, you, you learned how to sing, but were you kind of a natural when it came to playing and singing at the same time? Because that's yeah. not an easy task. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really just uh, natural at that. Um, and then I did piano first, so. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been doing that for about, like, six years. Okay. Six, seven. And then guitar I'm newer at, so I'm focusing more time on that. Um, probably, like, my third three and a half years doing that okay um i'm pretty new at it but i because i feel like because of the piano i picked up quickly on guitar yeah, yeah I've always it is really that. different but it certainly yeah. is but I, I always marvel at you know as, as a kind of a hack on guitar myself i marvel at people's ability to pick piano because you're really playing you know a bass guitar and a, and a regular guitar at the same time you know you're using right. two, two hands to do um, you know, guitarists, everything's in unison. Your left hand and your right hand are kind of working together yeah. for the most part. But, um, you know, it would be, uh, you know, it, it love the, the voice on those songs. Now, live, do you play mostly guitar? I, I know the videos I saw you were playing guitar mostly, but is you know, when you I do playing... both. Okay. Yeah, I go back and forth. So you're kind of the... Because some one... of my originals, like Breaking Free and Unbreakable Home are all on piano. I usually play those on piano because okay. I wrote them on piano. Okay. And um, usually the songs I play on guitar, I wrote on guitar. Okay. So I usually just stick to that because I feel like it, it feels like more of the song I wrote. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. Now, do you have aspirations of touring? I know that's not a, uh, you know, for any musician, yes. it's an expensive proposition to tour. Um, do you have right. anything in the works right now? Yeah, I do. I do, yes. Um, well, I just finished a, uh, in L.A., I played at the Mint. Okay. And uh, that was amazing. I had a great time there. That was my first L.A. show. And um, I have a few things coming up in Detroit area. Um, I could say them if you want. If you want. Yeah, if you don't mind, you know, we have people listening yeah, all, sure. really all over the yeah. area. So. Oh, perfect. Um, so... On March 13th, I'm going to be on um, 99.5 Music Motown Detroit um, at 12 o'clock. And then at, on March 16th, I'm going to be on the Nooner Show at 12. And then April April 12, no, yeah, 12th, um, I'm going to be um, in the Singer-Songwriter Showcase for the second time with um a guy that hosted it called named Steve Taylor. Okay. Um and uh at seven. And that's at the album room Bird in the Bread in Birmingham, Michigan. Okay. And um on the second I'm actually gonna be in Orlando, Florida. Um and I'm gonna be uh doing I actually do some inspirational speaking keynotes. Okay. Speaking too and along with my music. 
So um, I put my songs in relation to what I'm saying to the, the audience okay. with my keynote. So I'm going to be um, t- uh, being one of the keynote speakers at the New Horizons Computer Learning Center um, conference uh, in Orlando on March 2nd. Which is actually going to be my first one ever, which is really cool. Yeah, that's I'm excited. Right. Can you talk a little bit about your your inspirational speaking? Like, you know, what kind of yeah. material you cover? Just for those who are not familiar with your story. Of course, of course. Yeah, so it, it kind of relates around my um, my CD that's coming out on Friday. Um, so it's the CD is called Unbreakable, and my whole keynote um, relates on that. It's about how to become and stay unbreakable in any situation in your life. And, you know, like, through life, it's a constant change, and, you know, everything in life changes, and it's how you handle the change and how you get through it in a positive way is is what I'm trying to say. And um, also, it's really about uh, being unbreakable in every sense of the challenges that Mm -hmm. you go throughout. Wonderful, wonderful. Ali, I want to congratulate you on, you know, a fantastic album. You know, we we listened to a lot of music and and, uh, really, really enjoyed your album. I had it on uh, the other night and a couple of people in the room were like, what are you listening to? You wait until (laughs) you're going to enjoy this one. It was, you know, like I said, you've got an extremely haunting and in a a wonderful way your voice. (laughs) Uh, Thank and, you. And, and songs that I think people can really identify with. So, um, where can folks get the the CD? Will it be available in a physical yeah, form, or is it obviously downloads yeah. or everywhere? But if someone wants a physical yeah. disc, where could they get that? Oh yeah, of course. Um, they can get it on Amazon. Okay. It's up there right now for pre-order, and it's also pre-order on iTunes if you want to download it. Um, and it'll be on Spotify. But if you want a actual physical copy. Amazon's where to get it. Or okay. on my website, which is AllieMcManus.com, and it's spelled A-L-I-M-C-M-A-N-U-S.com. Awesome. Well, Allie, I wish you all the best with the, with the album and the inspirational speaking, and Thank hopefully you. before too long we'll see you doing some shows in western Pennsylvania. All right, again, that was Allie McManus. You can visit her website, A-L-I-McManus, that's M-C-M-A-N-U-S, Her EP, Unbreakable, is available now, she mentioned in the interview, so I encourage you to check that out. Uh, If you liked Unbreakable, the uh, title track we played for you, I think you'll enjoy the entire album. It's really cool. Uh, We're going to introduce you now to a gentleman who uh, is going to be doing a show at the Hard Rock Cafe on March 11th. His name is Tom Kreisgraber. He is a Chapman stick player, which I have to admit... uh, I consider myself kind of a fan of all kinds of music, but I was not familiar with the Chapman stick. Uh, so we had a chance to chat about that, and I think if you're a, any kind of string instrument uh, player, you're going to find this conversation kind of interesting. So we're going to play you a, a track of Tom's, uh, and then we'll get into that interview.
Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have on the line Thomas Reisgraver. How are you doing today, Tom? Good, good. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. I have to start out with, I'm sure many of your interviews start out this way. You are a Chapman stick player. <laughs> what the heck is a Chapman stick and how did you end up playing it? Well, I'll try to give you the condensed version. So the Chapman stick, the Chapman refers to a man named Emmett Chapman, who back in 1969, I believe, I just did a show with him last weekend. It corrected me on the date. I think it was August 26th, if I got it right now, 1969. He was playing his own homemade guitar, which already had nine strings on it because he was trying all kinds of things, and realized he could play in both hands with both hands tapping on the strings. Now... There'd been people before him who did some tapping, but he's the first person we know of that really played with a full technique in both hands, where both hands are equal partners and the fingers are sort of perpendicular to the strings. Okay. And so he he started playing his homemade guitar that way and then kept working on the idea. And by 1974, had his first production run of Chapman Sticks. Um, and to date is still selling them out of his home in LA. It's kind of a family business. They've got two garages going and he, he corrected me. I was introducing him on stage last weekend and he said, um, I, I was telling the audience he'd made about 6,000 and he stopped me and said, no, it's over 7,300 now. And I was like, wow, oh. you know, that's, that's a lot of anything to come out of your garage. Yeah. But it's it, the, the, shortest musical description I can give it the the model I play is 12 strings and it's 6 guitar strings and 6 bass strings not in guitar and bass tuning the the guitar side is sort of close to a guitar tuning but all the strings are 4 notes apart from low to high from the middle out Okay. and the bass strings also go low to high from the middle out and they start at a low B like a 5 string electric bass but come up 5 notes apart Okay. So you have these you have these two different tunings in each hand, both going low to high from the middle out, and the end result is you're you're playing notes in both hands, sort of like a piano player would. Right. But with a but with a sound that's more like kind of combination of really guitar and bass, or even sort of two guitars and bass. Okay. So your right hand would be playing the treble, and your left the bass. Is that correct? Typically, yeah. You, okay. yeah. There's no, there's no rules about it, and sometimes you switch sides for certain musical reasons. But mm-hmm. that's usually the default position. Okay. Um, the bass, the bass being in its fifth tuning, allow you to play a low bass note in the range of a bass player, say with your index finger. But then the other fingers of the hand can cover some chordal notes, more like a rhythm guitar. Mm-hmm. And then the right hand is still completely free to do melodies or other chords and all of it, each each string set actually has its own pickup and its own output, so you can process them separately and say have, you know, a lead guitar sound in the right hand while more of a sort of clean bass and mm. pianistic sound in the left hand. And then on, on my particular model, I had him put a MIDI pickup as well on the right hand, so I've actually got a third output that can do anything a synthesizer or keyboard would do. Okay. So... Yeah, I'm sorry, you said that the the thicker strings, the the deeper notes are in the middle. Is that correct? Correct. Oh, oh, yeah. For both I don't, hands. I don't know if for both hands. I don't. I'm not aware of any other instrument that has this tuning. I mean, he really kind of created something unusual, and his mindset behind it was to do. 
something that was kind of a blank slate for music where mm -hmm. you know normally on guitar you have like two strings that are tuned differently than all the others and that that gives you some extra possibilities but also some handicaps right and with this with this tuning it's more of like an open musical slate where you're not as dependent on what key you're in um you can kind of roam a little more free musically but um as i said it's it's you know the right hand tuning is set up a little better for melodies and the bass a little better for accompaniment um and yet there is a relationship because if i can get really kind of musically nerdy for a second sure those two interval those two intervals of fourths and fifths are actually inversions of each other so what that means is a shape in the right hand that maybe goes say you know c up to e up to g on the left hand that same exact shape starting on C would go C down to E down to G. Uh, okay. But but the phys but the physical shapes remain the same, even you. though there's sort of a high to low jump. Yeah. Now when you're when you're playing this, um, you know, with different intervals, you know, for the different set of strings, does that? How long did it take you to get your mind around that? Because you know, even in the piano, <laughs> you know, your your left yeah. hand is playing. Relatively the same shapes. If you want to play a C chord or you know high or low, it's still the same shape. You're you're kind of doing things, you know. Kind well, of mind it's, it's interesting. It's interesting that you're using the word shape because on piano, actually you're you're playing different shapes really. Mm -hmm. But you have the benefit. You have the benefit that the notes always look the same. Like yeah, the, the the visual look of a C on piano is always a C. Right. And on on guitar, bass, or stick, they're sort of moved all over the place. You sort of have to memorize where C is. Um, but the shapes are exactly the same. Okay. So the shape of like a major chord, you know, a C major chord is the same as an F major chord, is the same as a G major chord. You just have to know where sort of your starting note is. Okay. Now, is it, this is a fretted instrument? So you're, correct. Okay, yeah. so you're tapping in between the frets to generate the tone, Correct. Yeah, that, yeah, and it's funny because audiences, you know, if they're not used to it, will come up with all kinds of funny theories and questions for me as to how it works because they've never seen anything like the idea. Usually, a lot of people that, you know, you're, you're playing this thing. It looks like a strange guitar or bass, and yet you're playing notes in both hands. And so I've had people come up and ask me things like, "Well, is there a current going through all the frets?" And I'm like, "No, I'd be getting shocked," you know. Like, just but, in, uh, back but, up the same way you would have on a guitar, correct? Yeah. In fact, my um, my bass pickup is Emmett's own design, but my melody pickup is literally a company called EMG, and it's mm -hmm. their version of a Fender Telecaster pickup. Okay. So, so it's what they call a EMG front Telecaster pickup on the melody side. But the real secret to the tapping that Emmett discovered was to have the strings as low to the board as you can. Yeah. So it doesn't take doesn't take as much strength to press them down, and then what's happening is when the string hits the fret, it just physically vibrates from the you know mm -hmm. smacking into the fret, and then you can amplify that, and away you go. Has the um, does the how many frets are on the on the instrument? Uh, it's two octaves from low okay. to high, okay. from you know along the length of the neck. Okay, and do you get most of the sustain in such? I mean, it looks like it's essentially just a giant neck. Um, you yeah. Know, with, is is the sustain all from the wood of the neck? I'm assuming this is wood on the backside. Yes. Correct? Okay. 
Well, he's made miners, yeah. He's he's made them and makes them out of different things. Like these days, he's fascinated by making them out of aluminum. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still makes wood instruments, and that's still my choice. But, you know, the sustain is just the natural sustain of the string hitting the fret. But, mm-hmm. again, it's I think it's it's got more sustain than a typical electric guitar or bass, and I think that comes, again, from this really low action and sort of light touch. Right. And the strings are the strings are probably a little looser too because it has the length of a bass. Right. But you know a lot of the strings are guitar strings. Right. So they're a little little looser in a way. Yeah, it helps. It helps at least one hand doesn't have to work as hard. Have Have you yeah. anyone ever messed around? I'm looking at this and and I had the opportunity to to watch Joe Satriani just a couple of weeks ago play with a Fernandez sustainer pickup and I'm. Uh-huh. Wondering if anybody's ever messed around with the concept of something like that in one of these. Oh, I'm not built into it. I, I've had friends, and I've always meant to do this myself. I had a friend who took an Ebo and actually, mm-hmm. you know, the Ebo has teeth that are spaced for guitar strings, but he mm-hmm. put it on a belt sander and <laughs> sanded <laughs> them down, <laughs> and, then, and then could use it on the stick with probably more background noise than a normal Ebo. But sure. Um, I, I had a funny experience because I, I have um, a connection to Moog music as well, and I have one of their Moog guitars, mm-hmm. which they made for a brief period. And there's a guy named Paul Vo who had actually designed sustaining pickups for those. And um, it's a it's a great instrument. I I love playing that on recordings and stuff. But he, um, I was playing at a Nam trade show one year actually for Oralex had an event and I was playing over in the corner and Paul Vo happened to be there <clears throat> and he came up and he's watching me play and he's looking at the size of the pickup housing on the stick mm-hmm. and then when I took a break he talked to me and he said you know I could work with that and I was like ah oh, that would be so awesome like, we have to do this and the Moog guitar part of the way he got it to work if you were to look at the back of one of them all the components that can be are plastic because there's so much magnetism involved right you know he's using using the pickups to magnetically vibrate the strings <clears throat> and so the back plate of the guitar and all the screws on it and everything are all plastic and i th- and he he was telling me oh yeah well i'm gonna go up to la and meet with emmett tomorrow and i thought oh great you know and emmett's gonna be all excited and show him his new all metal aluminum stick <laughs> like, right right <laughs> So nothing ever really happened there, but yeah, that that would be a great twist for sure. Now, is there any ever time when you incorporate a pick or or do any sort of like finger picking with this? Uh, I do a little bit, but it's almost like the inverse of the way a guitar player would tap, where you know okay. a, a guitar player might spend all their time picking and then once in a while tap for a different mm-hmm. effect and it's sure. kind of the same on stick where you spend all your time tapping and once in a while pick just for a different effect sure. so I absolutely do sometimes and I think it's one of the things I sort of bring to the instrument that a lot mm-hmm. of players don't is I'm always looking for ways to kind of embellish it and kind of make it not sound like the stick mm-hmm. so I definitely finger pick and um, I've done a little bit with a pick and Really, one thing jumps to mind. I've, I've played a lot with a guy named Bert Loms from the California Guitar Trio, mm-hmm. and we um, would occasionally do a cover of a couple of his group's, the CGT's pieces, 
And <laughs> the the arrangement with the two of us is that basically he plays his normal part from the trio and I have to cover for the other two missing guys on the right. stick. But we would come to the end of this a piece of theirs called Train Delaney Suite. And it just happened that they play guitars tuned in fifths. So it matches, their chord voicings match up well with the bass side of the stick. But he he needed like a basic arpeggio pattern for the end of the song. And I was finger picking it. And he was like, it's not right, it's not right, it's not right. And finally, you know, I grabbed a guitar pick and started picking mm-hmm. on the stick with it. And he was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> like, okay. So. Yeah, that's that's uh, now when you when you uh, you were a uh, trained uh, highly trained regular normal traditional six string guitarist correct sure yeah now, yeah now, i mean i what, i um what was your background there well um you know the real music background actually started on piano as a kid doing okay. about five or six years of classical piano and then kind of switched from that got into music you know that was sort of starting with my mom really um, but got into it on my own in high school, I guess, okay. and fell right, fell straight into like hard rock and metal guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved the sound and realized in that music, like, guitar was everything. <laughs> like, forget sure. about anybody else in the band, the guitarist right in your face. And so got into that and then um, started looking at, you know, where to go to college and. I had a guitar teacher who suggested Berkeley, and I went to their. They they frequently do a program in LA every summer, and I went to that and completely got my butt kicked because I'd really been playing guitar by ear, and even though I'd had like note reading and stuff on piano, I hadn't even attempted it on guitar. So I wound up coming home and realizing I had to get myself in order if I was going to go to music school, I, I started studying classical guitar for a while for a couple of years with a guy named Peter Pupping. And then um, kind of transitioned from there, getting into jazz and studying with a Berkeley alumni named Bill McPherson for a while. And then um, did transfer into Berkeley and graduate from there. And then spent about another year at San Diego State working on a masters in music there in their jazz program and then um just took a, figured i was taking a year off from the masters mm. program to practice and sort of figure out what i really wanted to do sure and that's actually where i stumbled into the stick i was gonna say that i mean it's it's got to be it's interesting to me you mentioned the piano background because it is like you said it's it's one of you know most of your string instruments you're playing your left and your right hand are kind of working in unison and not that you know in this you're not but you're doing two different things at the same time and that's um certainly takes a bit of a piano player's mind to do yeah i felt like early on when i really started working on it i felt like there were three hurdles i had to deal with um one of them was getting my right hand to play notes because it was used to just picking mm-hmm. um the but the geography in the right hand that's the side that's tuned in fourths so it was close enough to guitar that I kind of knew where notes were right <clears throat> the other hurdle second hurdle was the left hand was in this new reverse fifth tuning so I had to figure out you know where is everything over here and, mm-hmm. and what can you play as chord voicings or bass lines or whatever and then the third hurdle is the one that I think every stick player you know you you never fully conquer is how independent can you make your two hands like how 
far apart can you really pull them and yeah. you know give that that two parts at once thing yeah yeah if you could just sing at the same time your head would explode i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be yeah well no yeah I'm, I'm, i, I oh, go ahead oh no i was just gonna say you know i, I dabble with that i haven't been brave enough to <laughs> really step into that one yet but yeah I'm, I'm always impressed with guitarists who can play and sing at the same time i can't imagine playing two different things with two different hands and sing it's like you know drummers who sing it that's beyond my capability mentally um yeah when you sit down to a normal six-string guitar now does it feel really tiny like you're playing a ukulele almost no not at all i mean it's it's just a different thing you know and it, and i'm it, it's funny when i first got serious about the stick there was a scary moment about a year in i i, I had this period where i was practicing about 20 plus hours a week for about mm -hmm. a year and a half before I could really play like an hour's worth of material on it. Mm -hmm. But during that time, I, I wasn't playing guitar hardly at all, and so my guitar skills were kind of going downhill while the stick was just starting to get going, and there was this moment where I couldn't do much of anything on anything. Right. <laughs> like, Jack of all trades, you know. master of none. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I actually got this, you know, both my parents kind of going, what are you doing with your life? Like, this is weird. I'm working on um, it, yeah, exactly. But I, um, you know, these days, I, I having gotten comfortable enough with stick over the years, you know, I'm playing guitar more now than I have for many years, and right. I think they're pre they're pretty on equal footing now, which is great. And it's just, I do a lot of recordings for other people, mm -hmm. and um, you know, where I'm, I could be anything from the producer to the engineer to just a session musician to whatever needs to happen. Right. And if they're and if they're asking me to play something on it, then it's like I make equal use of guitar, bass, and stick, and it's just a question of sitting back and listening to the music and saying, you know, what's really going to fit best. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what can I really? And, and there's a lot of things guitar can do that stick can't. So do you? Know, they're, um, they're equals. As far as like a, a physical limitation, I mean, with that amount of tapping. Um, is mm -hmm. that harder physically on your hands? Uh, you know, all guitarists, I think, fear carpal tunnel. Uh, is mm. there any concerns there with you know the longevity of playing that no. instrument? No, because you know it's again that the action is so low and the right. strings are kind of light that it's easy. And I've I've done some gigs that just make guitar players' heads spin around because I um, oh for years I've played at the San Diego County Fair every summer and it runs for about a month and <clears throat> they always book me usually at least once a day. I had I had one year there that was my all-time like Olympic record for longevity where they had me booked as a solo show and a group show every day so two shows a day and then they had some acrobats that were supposed to come from China that couldn't get their visas sorted out and mm -hmm. so they were supposed to be doing two shows a day and suddenly couldn't and so the fair came to me and said well you're already here every day can you just help us fill all these gaps and I, and I, you know, it was, it was such a good run for me, always is for CD sales that I just took everything they had. Sure. And it wound up, it wound up for, that for a month I was playing every day at least six hours on stage oh, wow. and up to, up to, I had two 10 hour days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. I think the musicians union have to get involved there. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> for those who would be yeah. coming to see a show, what what type of music? I mean, that's the one thing we we discussed. You know, the mechanics of the instrument, but what mm-hmm. style of music? I know, you know, for myself listening to your music, but what what would you know somebody who's kind of new to your material be expect? You know, it's it's honestly if you if you start trying to put it into a genre or something, I, I like to think it sort of borrows from a couple of them. And that's partly the nature of the instrument is I think it's a new enough thing that, well, I'll, I'll start this by saying, you know, my main interest in music is probably, probably always has been writing. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the things that drew me to the stick was that it felt like kind of lesser explored terrain for writing. Um, and so I just try to find things that are musically interesting to me and they, that could borrow from you know, a progressive rock rhythm to a jazz chord progression to a simple folk melody to, mm. um, you know, pop and rock and kind of borrowing from all those things. Okay. So, so my my real goal is to always just do something that sounds kind of fresh to me, and yet I'm really not trying to be like, you know, sort of just bowl people over with nothing but technique and chops <laughs> right. it's like right. I, I'm more interested in trying to tell a story through music and just do something that's a little little new a little different a little fresh yeah that, that, that's interesting because you know when you look at it you know the first thing when I, I saw a photo I thought maybe this is some sort of you know like eastern type of instrument or you know uh, wasn't even yeah. sure the origin of it so I had no idea what to expect when I hit play you know so I just was curious um, as far as your show in Pittsburgh, um, roughly how long will you be playing that night? Do you have any idea at this point? Oh, I think it would. My set would probably be somewhere between about an hour, hour and a half, and then there's okay. the opening act from Stick to It with Dave Broski. Okay. So we'll get the. Uh, we're not going to get the full six-hour San Diego treatment, but we'll get no. Uh, no, a, no. a nice full night, though. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Right. It'll be the great, the greatest hits of the ten-hour day. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure at that point you got to be thinking, I'm just going to noodle on something for an hour or two here. Yeah. But you have some family yeah. in the area. Uh, can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? Sure. Well, my mom, um, her whole family is from that area, and the brief history was that she was actually born in Hershey, but the family moved to Greensburg when she was still pretty young. Okay. And she had four siblings and she was the only one of them that moved out of the area she moved out to california for work um somewhere around like 1969 i think because i know she actually went to a Jimi hendrix concert at the hollywood bowl and was and was completely terrified she didn't know anything (laughs) about it was, was babysitting some friends kids and i guess when he started playing they all rushed the stage and jumped in this pond that used to be in front of the stage and I found pictures of that that were dated like around 1970 or something. But awesome. anyways, her, her siblings all stayed right around sort of Greensburg and Latrobe. And okay. I have um, 14 first cousins that are mostly in that area. And we would actually take trips out there for a month every year. We okay. would usually July, we'd be out there for a month until I was about 20 or something. Okay. And beautiful in the summertime in the Ligonier yeah. Valley there. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, that'll be great to see you come home. Unfortunately, you're going to have a ton of family members, but there'll be, still be some room for paying folks to come and yeah. see the yeah. show. Yeah. 
yeah, you can uh, exactly. sell some CDs and stuff like that. So that'll be awesome. Tom, I want to thank you again for your time today and uh, safe trip into Pittsburgh, man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. All right, again, that was Thomas Grice Graber, who will be doing a show March 11th at the Hard Rock Cafe in Pittsburgh. So you can check that out, get tickets for that now. Also, thank you again to Bruce Watson for Foreigner. They're going to be coming to Morgantown on March 7th, Greensburg March 8th, and uh, Burkittstown on June 27th. And also, uh, finally, a thank you also to Allie McManus for joining us, uh, sharing her uh, really interesting story and a fantastic uh, new music of, with uh, Unbreakable, which is available now. That was released on February 16th, so you can pick that up at her website. So until next time, we want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, we invite you to check us out at ironcityrocks.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter are all forward slash Iron City Rocks, or you can hit us up at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. If you have suggestion for the show, a comment about the show, need more information about one of the artists, or uh, just want to rant about uh, anything in particular. Uh, we get some pretty interesting emails uh, from folks who want to talk about tailgating and shows and stuff, and we love that. Uh, so please never hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, let us know what you think. If there's something about the show you don't like or you'd like to see changed, uh, we're not above criticism, so let us know. And we all want to thank all of you in Western Pennsylvania for contributing again this year in a very successful PMA, which is our Pittsburgh Music Awards. Uh, a little blurb on that those are 100 percent fan voted i myself do not vote uh, sean my co-host does not vote that is entirely what you the fans of pittsburgh think so if a band you enjoy didn't make the list this year vote next year that's the best way to change that uh and we want to congratulate rusted root on their induction into our hall of fame uh it took a few too many years in my opinion to get them in there but again i don't vote uh but a very well deserved uh, from Michael Glabicki, Liz Berlin, and the gang from uh, Rusted Roots. So congratulations on that. So until next time, we want to thank you for listening. And- <laughs>